there was a group that wanted to protest outside of our masjid and they want to come they wanted to come with pig's head and pig's blood and <laughs> they, they they had a facebook page and everything and uh actually the leaders of our masjid they or mosque they um met with some of the leaders and see if they can have a discussion this week on the fort knox podcast i want to get a little personal Instead of hearing from a business leader or celebrity, as usual, you're going to hear from someone closer to home, my home. The United States right now is struggling with how to respond to the scourge of terrorism and how to relate to Muslim Americans here at home. It's something my family has a unique bit of experience with, and this being the days after the Thanksgiving holiday and after a presidential election, it's a good time to reflect on family and the country. The voice you heard at the beginning of this episode was my cousin on my dad's side, Omar. I'm a Christian. My faith is an important part of my life. I try to study my Bible regularly. I attend church weekly. My father's a retired pastor and chaplain. My grandfather was a pastor too. Omar and his siblings are Muslim. His parents converted before he was born. So it's fair to say religion has always been a source of tension in our family, but especially over the last 20 years. Through it all, we've tried, with mixed results, to keep the family together. So I asked Omar if he would sit down and talk to me for Fort Knox about something we can all relate to at a time like this, the struggle to find common ground in the face of fundamental differences. This story started about 45 years ago, when Omar's Muslim mother, my Aunt Aileen, tried to introduce her father to his grandsons. I, was, I couldn't have been any more than six months, if I remember correctly. And um, they had, my, my father had helped her come up. So I think they got on the train and bus, and they had made a long trek. I think they were coming from Brooklyn to Connecticut. Up to, Stanford, yeah, Stanford, Stanford, Connecticut. Right. And they made the long trek up there, and... Um, you know, he pretty much told her to turn around, and he um, he wasn't interested in seeing his grandkids. That 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 meaning that it it wasn't a primary thing. He wanted her to come back into his uh, in, into uh, the, the the fold, and he wouldn't hear anything else. But there was an interesting other thing about that, and I hope you bring that up. But I hope that answers your question. Um, but pretty uh, just to end, he pretty much told her to go back home. And since that point going forward, they had very little discussions, and he he said he didn't want to have anything to do with her. So now, within a couple of years after that, Grandpa died yes. of a brain tumor, mm-hmm. and uh, when he was really close to death, your mom came to visit when it was clear that. Uh, there was nothing that the doctors felt like they could do. Surgery wasn't an option because the tumor had been um, growing in his head for nearly 10 years. He, he hadn't known about it. Apparently, uh, you know, Dad was just telling me for the first five or six years, it was mostly contained. It hadn't, um, the tentacles of the tumor hadn't reached into the brain matter. Mm-hmm. But when they really biopsied it and could see, they saw, okay, well, in the first few years, it was it would have been removable, mm-hmm. but he was trying to treat it himself. And then the last years, it reached out. But anyway, at, at that point, your mom came to the hospital to visit, and they still hadn't spoken. But um, Dad brought her into the room, I believe, and sort of halfway apologized to Grandpa for it. 
uh, and he, he held up his hand as if to say, no, it's all right. Um, at, at that point, there was some... To quote my mother exactly, you know, what, what he said was, we don't know everything, but God does. And it was almost like that said everything that needed to be said. I mean, at least this was the uh, impression I got when I talked to my mother. And he was, he was um, trying to be um, a little bit more uh, amenable and at least understand that this is the last time I'm going to see my daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really touching. I really get emotional thinking about it. But I was happy that they were at least and you know um, able, able to um, you know end on a good note. So, yeah. Now, Grandma had a different tack. So, um, Grandpa took the the hard line approach, non engagement. <laughs> uh, Grandma took a different approach. Now, she was uh, still um, a Bible carrying multiple Bibles all around the house. <laughs> she would play Harlem Boys Choir when we came over to visit. Uh, she would hand out tracks. And for, a lot of people probably don't know what tracks are, but these little, um, you know, probably three by five little flip comic-like oh, that looking what they books. Call them? Yeah, they call them <laughs> tracks. And they have a lesson on them. And basically the lesson is, is come to Jesus. For all, for all the tracks, there's a whole bunch of different ways getting at come to Jesus, little comics. I remember all of those, all of those tracks. And they, they scared the willies out of me. <laughs> I didn't know what they were called, but I, I, I read them and I, I took I, I had dreams about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were so They had an impact on me, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I read them all, too, because um, she was trying to communicate with all of us. But her approach was, I want the family together. Uh, 61 years ago, when Aunt Jenny and Uncle Bill got married, um, Grandma and, and Grandpa, but mostly Grandma, from what I hear, brought everybody together and said, once a year, let's get together for Thanksgiving as a family and let this be the tradition. You know, yes, kids are getting married now, branching out, but just once a year, let's get together. So we've been doing that for 61 years. And not only that, but Grandma set up so that our parents could send us cousins, my older brother Stephen and me, and then uh, you and your brothers to her house for, I guess it was spring break? Yeah. Um, and we would stay for a week, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really the only opportunity that we had, aside from, you know, a few pop-ins during the year, maybe, to really hang out, play board games, <laughs> play with He-Man figures oh, and GI Joes. Good right? times. That's good times. <laughs> what do you That's remember about? Times. What do you remember about that time? Um. I remember I was, I mean, looking back, uh, I was fortunate, just fortunate. And, you know, she would send, here's another thing. She would send us, even though, you know, we didn't celebrate Christmas, so she would send us money and we would buy toys. This was a very psychological, difficult thing at the time because, you know, um, I remember waking up Christmas mornings and seeing there's a young man on the block. I used to, he was uh, uh, in a suburb. Same, about the same age, and he would always get the, the the newest toys. So I always remember looking out the window, and he would he, like whenever he when he got his big wheel out. I remember that was the first toy, and I wanted that same big wheel myself. And he got the big wheel, and I was just I remember watching him. Would, had to be at least I don't know, 
a long time. <laughs> but I just always have that that mental image in my mind. And I remember she would send us, you know, cards for birthdays and, and do things. So it, it, it helped make us feel accepted. And um, and she was always a great cook, too. So just a lot of things. And, you know, I mean, when you look back that, you feel loved, you feel appreciated. And um, it's, it's a powerful thing. Um, so... So yeah, but yes, I remember the tracks and all of those great things. I remember the she Canadian bacon. She did all bacon. of the great things that a grandma. You know, I, I was talking to Allison about this, and I was telling her there's a song that even now when I hear it, I get emotional. That um, Bill Willis sings is called Grandma's Hands, mm. and powerful song. But whenever, I, of course, any any person that listens to that song is gonna they're gonna think about their grandma. It's a powerful song, well written. I mean, but. Th- to me, I was just—I just felt like that was written for my grandmother. <laughs> but yes, uh, a lot of a lot of great times, and um, just feel loved and uh, accepted, and that's just—I think how anybody wants to wants to feel. It wasn't perfect, but just uh, a member of the family. I remember you guys were my introduction to Canadian bacon. I was like, <laughs> because. <laughs> Because you guys don't eat pork, of course. Right, right, And right. so we would go to grandma's house. We'd have breakfast. Right. You guys wouldn't have the bacon. And, right. you know, Stephen and I were like, what, what's going on? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, but Canadian bacon is beef, so right, right, that's right. all right. And so, right. you know, we didn't feel like the Canadian bacon was as good, but at least mm-hmm. we understood. Right. You know, in the And early I still remember 80s. the smell of that bacon <laughs> when y'all was having the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, Grandma was still showing you tracks, though. So she didn't completely back off of sharing with you guys what her faith was. How did that play out in your head? Well, when I was young, um, you know, you would read things, but I think what what, um, I think what uh, uh, from, from my perspective, I just wanted to be a young boy. I wanted to have fun. That was my focus. Um, it, w- it wasn't until I would say college that she, and even maybe even before that, I would say, because my father passed away when I was ten, and I know she tried to spend time with me reading the Bible and um, trying to get me interested in in that. And um, I don't think I took an interest until, in fact, you know, I, I had described when I was at school. Um, she had called me when in my first couple of semesters in school and, and tried to get me. And she, she was imploring me to, she had always hoped that me and my mother and my family would come back into the house of Christ. So, um, I said, well, you should take some time to do this. I mean, your grandmother's asking you to do this. You might not know anything about it, but you should take some time. Hmm. And I spent some, I remember I spent some time that, um, and that my freshman year, um, reading the Bible, just like she instructed. She said, read the Bible and the Quran, and I did. Even though my parents had brought me up, um, there was an intensive studying and reading, and, you know. So my, my, I was, I guess you could say Muslim in name, so to speak. Not to disrespect anybody that's at that state right now, but um, I wasn't really interested in religion at that time. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I was more interested in, I think, like a, a lot of young children, just having fun and enjoying my, my youth. Um, that's really where my mind was at. But she was, she was uh, calling me to, to uh, look into that, and I, I, 
I'm, I was appreciative of that to a level. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it helped me along the way. How? Oh. Uh, first to show some interest in it and to understand why it was so important. Because, okay, now you mentioned the tracks. Right. But then you start to make the connection. And then the real life, you look at your real life, you know, my father passed away. You know, we had other deaths in the family. Um, even beyond that time, my freshman year of college, my, my older brother had passed away, leukemia. So you start to say, well, you know, you got to think about this. This is serious stuff. You might not be ready. Uh, you might not be interested in it, but you have to start thinking about it because this is serious stuff. And, life and um, the life and death yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Though. Absolutely. What do you so, believe about yeah. the meaning of life, what happens after you die? You start asking yourself those questions. Right. And I think she kinda came along at the right time and, and you know, at least nudged me to, to start reading and studying. Now my father had books on the shelf, even though he died when I was around ten years old. He had books on the shelf, but like I said, I wasn't necessarily completely interested in that. But it was really grandma's nudging and again, she first encouraged me to read the Bible and the Quran. And uh, I started doing that more and more. And I started taking more of a serious interest in it. And that's how I started slowly practicing. And it was a slow process because, you know, you still want to be you. You want to, the, 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 um, I said the, uh, I guess the, um, uh, inclination is to let me enjoy myself and have fun and, not worry about those things, but as I talked to her more and more, um, I started to. But it was a slow process, but mm. it it was a nudging that helped me along the way. Uh, did did Kareem, your older brother, pass away in was it ninety one? Yes, ninety one. Um, and so you mentioned tragedies that we've had in our family, and that leads me to. Um, so I remember. Generally, when your dad passed away, I remember when Kareem passed away in 91. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the late 90s coming home. I don't think I was home from college. I think I must have been home from work in Kentucky. I was working at a newspaper out there, the Lexington Herald Leader. And uh, your younger brother, Iman, I remember going out to lunch at Union Station in D.C. at Pizzeria Uno. Mm -hmm. And I remember he gave me his business card. Uh, he you remember had, what year that was? Or, uh, um, a roundabout? Or? It, uh, hmm. it must... See, I can't remember if I was home from college or home from, oh, okay. from work. So it, it must have been 98-ish. He had, he had just started... Uh, he was doing hair. So he had just started doing that, I think. Right. Uh, was it, would that have been 98? Yeah, that's around that time. Um, he, he actually passed the following year in the class. He yeah. died in 99. That's what I was going to. Was uh, He had been doing that. We had had lunch. I felt like it was months before, not a, not, a, not a full year. But then he enlisted through an army recruiter, I believe. Mm -hmm. Didn't tell your mom. Went off to basic training. And, and passed away in a Jeep accident. And I just remember... Uh, all of us feeling devastated um, and I, I feel like after that particularly with your immediate family there was a big shift in how you took your faith and where you took your faith um, 
what was the what was the impact of of that tragedy on how you and and your family looked at I it? would say that I probably wasn't the lead even um meaning amongst my immediate family, my brothers and sisters. Um, my sister, I think she was probably most affected. My sister Ada. Ada. Because she and she and her mom were close in age. Yes. Close yes. in personality, you know, Absolutely. kind of um, they and they experienced they extroverts. Had a, they had a connection that, not that I didn't have a connection, but it was just a different connection. So she was very close. Iman died when he was twenty-one too. Mm. So I think the youth too had an impact. But I know Ada. She was really un, unconsolable for like a long time. So and I think this really had an impact on on all. Of, so my point was is that Ada. I think she began to practice more. She was. Um, I don't know. If, Everything she was doing as far as her studying, but she started wearing hijab and and um, dressed in a little bit more conservatively. A lot. And um, me, I was like my toe was my foot was in, my foot was out. You know, I would go through cycles and stuff like that. I had my I would say times where maybe I started doing some practice and I read some some pretty inspiring books and um, they had convinced me to at least be a little bit more open minded and be a little bit more knowledgeable about um, religion. But I, I think I was still more inclined to, you know, just be youthful. But when Iman passed, that was a pretty powerful thing. And um, Ada, and not, not just Ada, but Khadija as well. Um, but, well, let me take a step back, actually, because Khadija actually started going to the masjid. Um, my, she's Ada's older sister. Um, before, and, and I think it was more of a social connection for her. I know, um, and um, but when Iman passed after that, I think she got more serious, and then um, it made me think more. It didn't necessarily get me to, like I said, doing all of the things that I was required to do, or to at least start to incorporate them in my life. But um, it started to make me think still a little bit more. And uh, but I would say probably more than anything, probably. My grandma, I remember her words a lot. I remember her words a lot as well. So, Which words? Just to, you know, like she implored me and it was very passionate. Like when I was in school, I just always hear her voice when she was talking to me. And she was very emotional telling me, you know, that we hope that you would come back into the house of Christ. And um, I kept telling her, even... All throughout the years, I kept telling myself that I had to get serious about, you know. And I said, well, I'm eventually going to do it. I just kept pushing it out. And it was more like kick it down the road. And as things get more serious in life, you know, you start to say, well, you're on the clock. <laughs> you might not realize it, but that's the re. You know, looking back now, I'm saying, well, man, you're on the clock, whether yeah. you realize it or not. So I started to take a little bit more time. Um reading through my, my, my father's books and trying to learn a lot and um, taking what she had to say uh, to heart. And But I remember her words uh, very vividly and um, not just those words, but just the encouragement because she really tried, whenever she could, she tried to take time to sit with me and read the Bible. And and I had questions and I asked her some some questions and she would take some time to try to answer my questions, so. So th those are the things that, you know, remain with me mostly, I would say. One of the things I remember about that period was 
uh, you mentioned Khadija and Ada started wearing hijab around that time. Mm-hmm. I remember Thanksgiving and them showing up covered, <laughs> head to toe. <laughs> and I mean, it was, I mean, I hope you can appreciate this the way I mean it. It was like a punch to the gut mm-hmm. because I couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. here, our, our family had been through so much. It was Thanksgiving. It was all about coming together, all about seeing family members who you hadn't right. seen. And they were there and I could hear them, mm-hmm. but I couldn't see them. Right. And that divide to me was so stark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, think it, I think it was probably three or four years um, of that stage where everywhere I saw them, it was just their eyes mm-hmm. and their voices. They were wearing the niqab, also probably the first cover. Yes. Um, I know. I completely understand. I think that um, what well, a lot of times, if you're one, if you know someone for a period of time and then you see them differently, um, not that they have to explain everything to you, but they should take a minute to say, oh, this is the trans. Maybe they should take a moment. To, I, I believe this. You should take a moment to say, this is the transformation that I've gone through. And this is the reason why I've done this. You know, if people might not understand, even if you wrote a letter, right? you know, I think, I, I think, I think that's a great thing that you should tell people. I mean, and I wish, I mean, I know you guys do that. I think that's a great thing that we should, you should tell people where you're at in your life. Even if you don't have anything to report, this is what I <laughs> thought about. This is what I, I'm really consuming and stuff like that. And you inform your family of this is where I'm in. So you don't feel like, okay, well, what's going on? <laughs> you know, because it is a little bit of a culture shock because that's not, that's not what we typically do. So, um, and I think that you, I mean, you have to give, I think sometimes people think there's, there's going to be a struggle when you don't know that yet. You have to say, well, let me see if I can talk to them and, and we can have a conversation and, you know, we can have an interaction and, and a back and forth. Uh, dialogue um, I think that looking back even for myself you know because sometimes and I think this happens on all religions sometimes if, if you get that spark within a religion sometimes people want to run with it what do you, you know? mean? meaning that okay it's like a zealousness uh-huh. you know and it's, I see it happen in all faiths and stuff like that where you just see you see something and you, you, you get inspired and you just want to do it and you want to run with it and um, it happens in all faiths yeah, I, so, I feel like around that time yeah. too, and I don't know if you remember it this way, but the rest of the family got a lot more vocal and explicit in our Christian language. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was some point where in the prayer, um, you know, for the food at Thanksgiving, we started saying a whole lot more Jesus <laughs> in the prayer, whereas maybe prior to that, we had been more general. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't. I never is, noticed it myself. To be honest, I maybe, thought it was always there. Maybe, but maybe, maybe it was maybe always I there. Didn't but pick up on it. I fe- I felt mm-hmm. like I feel like maybe it's now just in retrospect. There was this there was this feeling of, okay, well we've got to we've got to identify ourselves mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. Um, and and of course nine eleven happened around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, within a couple of years after Iman passed, and then. A year, less than a year later, uh, Grandma passed away. So that was February of 2003. 2003, I think it was. I think it might have been 2002. 
Oh, oh, you mean before she passed? Because I think she did. She passed in June two thousand three, right? Is that right? I believe. I could um, be wrong, but yeah, I'm just could, jogging my memory. No, no, you're. You could be right because uh, I was thinking it was when I moved into this place out in California, but I think it was around the time my my friend um, my friend Dave got married. Um, so I was in his wedding, but it was also okay. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this wedding, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I got other things, you know, family wise going on, and um, both of us along with other cousins, were pallbearers and that, I, I remember. But it, I guess the point being, it was all around the same time. And Grandma, who had been the unifying presence mm-hmm. in the family, was suddenly gone. And I don't know that we've been the same since. That might be true. Um, yeah, I mean, because if you just talk about your experience with Iman... And um, actually, I remember I was invited to that, but I think I wasn't big on coming to the city, I think for New Year's Day or whatever. <laughs> but um, and maybe that's probably why I didn't go. But yeah, we didn't have a lot of that. And maybe some of that is just growing up sometimes. I, I think I chalk some of the, that up to that. You know, people are living their lives and getting married and careers and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, I guess if you're getting, you know, did we feel any any different or did we, you know, in our relationship with our family. Um, I think there were things, and I've had long conversations with my mother about how to discuss things with our family um, so that we can brace them about what it is that we believe and why we... I think it's an important conversation to have. Like what kinds of things? Like, um, just like our beliefs on on death and and, um, these types of things, or even like you mentioned the prayers that we make before eating, um, that we should talk about. I mean, in a way that we're, we're not being like um, either defensive or or um, just being distanced. Like you could tell, this is this is my religion and this is what I do, but I think it's important that you explain. You should, because sometimes, well, I'll just say sometimes people might not be knowledgeable about certain things. They might not know how to, to tactfully explain things. But what I've learned, one of the, the things that I think God has blessed me to be able to understand a little bit more was to learn to be more tactful in how, you know, you approach certain things. And I, I try to think long and hard about um, my approach. Because everybody, it doesn't have to be you my enemy and, you know, you're on the other side over there. You're, you're over there. We're over here. Right. And I think a lot of people think like that. And I think that... Um, that's not what either the religions teach. If you really look into them, like one thing I learned is one thing that I did read about cutting family ties. And those are in both religions, you know, mm. be respectful to your parents. The Bible says, be respectful to your parents so that you may live long in the land. There's a hadith from the prophet that says the same thing. Mm. So there's a lot of connections. And I think that if we share those things, then we might see that we have more in common than we have than the differences that we have. And when I read those things, I remember grandma telling me that. <laughs> you know? Or my mother told me that, that you know, that's the same thing that, um, her, you know, granddad taught her. So, um, that's pretty much the amazing thing. And when you see that, you say, well, we should probably work harder about having those discussions so that we could see where our similar- similarities are and, and, and respecting our differences and, and um, just agreeing to disagree, 
and having having discussions without without necessarily so we can learn. That's what I wish I can have those conversations because I know there's a lot of things that I don't know. Maybe I have the the correct or the incorrect understanding of a certain verse. Right. I find that a lot. People read stuff, and I mean, this is the Bible, Quranic. It's just you know, people read stuff, and, then, <laughs> and I gotta got to figure it out. And now we got Facebook, yeah. where <laughs> it's like <laughs> lighting, a, like lighting a, a candle to, a, I mean, a, a fire to a match and stuff like. I mean, you know, it's just or lighting a match to, you know, uh, a, a can of gasoline. Yeah, it just <laughs> you got to be careful with that stuff. It's very dangerous. Yeah, you know, because so. people, I mean, people go too far on Facebook, sort of. I mean that is some people's religion is going too far on Facebook. I think, uh, but right. but people can certainly go too far about things like religion on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that I've seen people say about Islam on Facebook, even people in our family, mm-hmm. have again struck me in such a way. And to me, it's unique because I'm I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go to church uh, as. as Often as I can, which tends to be weekly, Um, you know, wake up in the morning and and read the Bible before work. Uh, So I'm not, I don't consider myself to be, I strive not to be marginal (laughs) in my faith. That's a great thing. Uh, But at the same time, when I see people say things in a blanket sort of aggressive way against Islam, like on Facebook, Mm -hmm. I take it personally. Because that's my family you're talking about. I appreciate that. And I feel, I feel the same way. I mean, a lot of times you have to, like I said, again, you use tact with a lot of situations. But, I mean, just going back to what I said before, I'll say it in another way. Um, you know, people, when you think about the thousands of years that people have spent thinking about, not just verses in the Quran, but the Bible. I mean, really reflecting on the verses and what they mean. You know, I'm sure there's plenty. And if you read a lot of the works of a lot of, um, in, in both religions, you know, that they spend a lot of time thinking and pondering all these verses. And then sometimes people take one thing and they just want to run with it because they have their own agendas and stuff like that. And sometimes, sometimes you just have to ignore things. I understand that. You can't answer everything, but there's certain times where you have to, you do have to step up and you do have to express to people and tell them, I think you got the wrong, I mean, or you have the wrong view on this, or have you considered this? You know, so um, that's what I try to do because it's important not to, I mean, it's this, I think I, if I go back to what I was saying before, what I learned when I was in college and I had conversations with people on my floor who were Christian. Everybody was drawing a line in the sand, and you're over there, we're over here. And we would have heated arguments, and there was really not a lot of good discourse coming out of it. It wasn't one of those things where you have a heated argument, and then you get to a better place, and then you're better friends. Or, you know, I learned, I love coming out of conversations saying, you know, I learned something new. Mm. And I didn't know that before, and I'm glad that they shared that with me. That's how I look at conversations now. Right. You know, and I'm... But that comes from not by being, you know, so, so uh, negative or, you know, like you got something in, you know, so vitriolic and so, you know, it, it's just, it just turns people away. Nobody wants to really be around that. So um, on both sides, I'm saying. Yeah. You know, people need to tone that because the reality is that we want to reach understanding. 
if everybody agrees that that's what the goal, and maybe that's what you, how you start the conversation with someone who you know who's on Facebook. What are you hoping to accomplish by saying some of the things that you're saying? You know, when you get back behind some of the motives, then you start to see, okay, they they got a different agenda and stuff like that. And I think if you, but if but if the person really wants to learn something or they have a misunderstanding, then hopefully you get to the bottom and you say, okay, I learned something new. I didn't know that. How do you, in this environment where people are scared, people are concerned about uh, terrorism, and they've they connect uh, Islam to the terrorism, and America is at is on this razor's edge about it. How do you um, view your Americanness through the lens of your faith? And vice versa. Well, um, let me just say, um, the great thing about this country is that there's a reason why people want to immigrate here, or people wanted to immigrate here in previous generations. The first thing I thought of when I hear the talk, you know, we they made they, you know we taught we were taught this in school. I can't remember the whole verse, but it would be you know, bring me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. You know, um, the ideals of America are great. These are great ideals. And we have to, we can't, you know, as I say, the adults in the room have to remember that. Um, But, and I'm grateful to be here so that I can choose a religion of my choice. Mm. And not have to feel compelled to accept a religion that someone compels me to embrace. Or to, you know, leave the country, so to speak, as some right. people want you to do. But um, I, I think, um, to answer your question, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's really evolving into something that's not great in the, right now. It's not, not a pretty picture at all. Um, there's things to be fearful about, there's all, but there's always going to be things to be fearful about, just like this. The way I look at it, it's things to be very hopeful about. And I'm hoping that, you know, if anybody's listening, hopefully they not they balance whatever fears that they have with, there's a lot of hope. I mean, if you think, even if, if I was just trying to say, you know, since the, you know, there was a, this um, mosque being built all over the country, mm-hmm. um, people, they even said, I mean, I, I heard this maybe a couple of years ago, more Google searches. Now, we don't know what that's for to, to tr- maybe learn more things about the religion. Um, so there, there are some positive things and I think that it's just like any other craft. If you see, you know, sometimes people, when they look at something, they see they see just pessimism, but other people see op- an opportunity. So I think you have to take it the same approach here. And I, I, I was thinking about that. I was reminding myself of that tonight. So maybe the first advice I would give to somebody is, Stop watching so much TV. <laughs> Pick up a book and read something. That, challenge yourself to read something that you wouldn't normally read. Listen to a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen to somebody that you wouldn't normally listen to and maybe challenge yourself to, to think differently. What do, you yourself- tell, what do you tell uh, young men and women um, in the Muslim faith about the fractures that we see in the world? The... Um, various uh, terrorist groups popping up who are using their 
You can say ISIS. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm talking all of them. ISIS, <laughs> well, Taliban, right, right. Um, you know, uh, can't even remember mm-hmm. all of the various uh, names, you know, various factions that mm-hmm. are uh, at times fighting with each other. Boko Haram. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, there are some people who are not familiar mm-hmm. with the faith who their first uh, association Mm-hmm. with Islam is with these terrorists. Yeah. And um, I guess sometimes the most the people who they hear talking about Islam the most on TV are terrorists. Right. So there's got to be some impact on young people who are growing up in an environment where they're being told, here's our faith, here's what it's about, but the people outside the home say, oh, you're a Muslim? Well, I think I know what that means. What, what do you say about the difference between the faith that you practice mm-hmm. and the message that's coming in from outside. The only way you're going to understand that is to watch less TV. Not you don't have to give it up. But watch less TV and read more books. That's my first piece of advice that I would say. And um, I would also say to talk to other people who are Muslim that they're all around you. Um, but what do you say, what do you say to the young Muslim who uh, is growing up in, a, in an environment very different from the one even that you and I grew up in? Mm-hmm. You know, we're I'm about to be forty next month. Mm-hmm. You've beat me by a couple years, right? Forty two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and so the messages that they are hearing about their own faith mm-hmm. are different from what we heard growing up. That's that's true. Um, even in our community, like. There's been a lot of effort to try to educate us on ISIS. Um, now, there's a zeal on both sides. Like, we, we want to be, well, most Muslims want to be unified, I would think. And I think young people see that and they say, well, we should be unified. They see the way they look at the world. A lot of this is how you develop your world view. Mm. Okay, say more <laughs> so, about that. And, and that can go so wrong as, for so many reasons. Right. If you're watching YouTube videos, you're a young person, it's true, and you're watching these things, you're getting angry. Um, a lot of times, what's not talked about in the media is a lot. They mention this every now and again, but the drone strikes, killing of innocent people, which I'm, I'm talking about the ones that they admit to. Right. You right. know, because it's the ones they admit to and the ones that they don't. Um, a lot of people see this and they see what's going on in a lot of Muslim countries and just people get angry about this. And Americans are not even there. Um, if they know that or they've heard those, those things, um, they're not seeing it from... From a, a perspective of, of a Muslim, because we hear about those things. We know people who live in those countries. We know their brothers and sisters and, mm. you know, blood relation, other things. Um, and they see those things and they, they get angry. And people want to do, they want to do something about it. And I think people feel, you know, sometimes people, you know, they, they want to take matters in their own hands. Um, but I have to, I mean, if I just say one thing to them, our religion cautions us to be patient in all circumstances mm-hmm. and to not step outside. I mean, I, there's tons of verses that all talk often about being patient in all circumstances and not, as you know, as it's translated in English, transgressing the bounds. That mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to learn patience and to, to be prayerful and also do the work that's necessary to educate people. You say so, transgression abounds? 
Trans, trans, transgressing, oh, don't, don't transgress the bounds, the limits the that bounds. God has okay. set. Has set. So in other words, don't go beyond. Don't go beyond the limits that God has set. So kind of like to. vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Don't right. Don't go beyond. There's a wisdom behind every, and our religion teaches what's through. I mean, it's said in Arabic, divine color. I wish people would study this. It's, in, <laughs> it's you can translate it to. It's translated to predestination. But everything is, is um, and I be, the same things are taught in the Christian religion, I understand, that everything is in God's hands. And good and evil, or, uh, as we see it, there's wisdom behind everything that's that's done. And um, I wish people would, I mean, there's a lot of horrific things. I mean, just have, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, and, you know, I would travel to North Carolina frequently, and um, there was a shooting. For work in, or? Oh, family, you know, personal, family, personal. Right. And, um the family that was that was killed, uh, oh, the husband, the wife, and the sister that were killed in, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, by um, another resident in the building, uh, it was just horrific. You know, you hear something like that. And I used to go to the mosque down there, so I know the mosque that they attended. Mm. So there's a little bit of connection there. When I read that, I mean, when I heard about that, it just really hit me hard and stuff like that. But this is, I mean, meaning that all of these circumstances, we have to ask God to help make us patient. And there's nothing happens... And his, what we believe, his kingdom, without their re- reason or purpose to it. So when we when we do stuff that transgress the limits, you know, to just summarize it in the best way that I can, because it, it's a really in depth conversation we right. start talking about. But when we start transgressing the limits, it it only makes things worse for us, and we it just it doesn't help our situation. It just makes things worse. So. Um, we have to learn to be, and we should learn the, the, the lessons from the people in, not just in our religions, in our religion, but, you know, from before. There's many uh, great lessons to, to, to uh, uh, extract from their journey. I mean, really, a lot of the stuff that we're going through, there's nothing really new, as far as I can see and stuff like that. I mean, it might have a different face. Yes, we have Facebook and Twitter and, this, you know, social media and stuff like that, but... I mean, during the prophet's times, there were poets, and peace be upon them, and there, there were other things that were, people were, you know, uh, you know, be inflammatory and, and all of these things. So, and um, and I know things move so fast, but that's why I encourage people to step back, take some time to stay away from the TV, read something, learn something from someone else that you don't know. I would continually encourage people to do that, and when you do that, you'll you'll take you you give yourself a a chance to see it from a different perspective, and maybe be a a little bit more optimistic and because um, there's always going to be problems. There's, I mean, I don't care. I mean, everybody knows there's no utopia. So there's always going to be something to fear, but there's, uh, but then on the other side, there's always going to be something to be hopeful for. Mm. So, you know, I think if people, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It's half glass, half empty, full, you know, how you, how you see it and stuff like that. And I think if, if we could just get pe- most people to see that, I'm not going to get everybody to see that, but if we could just get most people to see that, and we're patient, then we're going to be rewarded accordingly. Meaning that, I mean, from the perspective of, uh, we'll see more people if we can show as Muslims to be. Because people want to see, well, are you on their side? Or are you with us? Right. And that, those are fair. Anybody statements. ever ask you that? Uh, not personally, um, but I've heard other people. You know, they've been asked that question, hmm. and um, they want to know: Is that a fair question? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. But then, you see, a lot of times when people ask questions, there's the other side of it, meaning that, okay, are you willing to listen? 
Right. Are you really willing to listen? Or do you really want to know if we're sincere and, and letting you know, yeah, you don't have anything. Like, a lot of times people say, I don't hear people, Muslims speaking out about what's going on. And I say, well, I'll show you. I've got stacks of papers and articles, not just speaking out against, you know, terrorism and, and, and or denouncing those things. But... um just actually participating, like the FBI and the CIA, they're already in the masjids already. They're in the mosque already. They've already started to develop in, uh, uh, intelligence to try to see if they're trying to. So some of those things are already in the works already. Hmm. So I think if, uh, and I, I have, I mean, if you can look it up on the internet, if you don't take my word for it, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. it's just out there. But I think people get, they get tunnel vision. They want to believe what they want to believe, and it just it doesn't move any place, and that's a bad. And I, like I said, I think so. You social media contributes to that, but we have to push back, and to the best of our ability, because some you know it seems sometimes it's just overwhelming. You know, Islamophobia industry is like a billion dollar industry, so you're fighting against you know a landslide sometimes if you're, but. Each, each, of, each of us should try to do as much as possible to try to let people know. And I think most people do know this, you know. Um, we can learn from... I know Catholics, they, you know, they spent many times... I mean, um, they spent many... They, they put a lot of effort in building hospitals and doing things to help the community. True. So we've talked about these things in our communities. There's people that understand we need to let people know. When you show people that you're vested, you know, we have something to lose just like you do. Um, and we showed them we're here to help them out. Maybe those are the best things that we can do. You know, because we, my point is that we can all do more. It's not that we're perfect. But if we do more of that and showing people that we're trying to help the communities and stuff like that, then maybe it'll get across and people will start to see, well, look at all these hospitals or look at these great things that we see that the Muslim communities have done. And maybe that will quiet some of the, you know, the, the fringe voices out there that are convinced that, that we're just all trying to, you know, be terrorists and we're trying to bring Sharia to America. <laughs> it's been two weeks uh, of Fort Knox and I just can't thank you guys enough. You've heard from Alexis Ohanian, the co-founder of Reddit, from Lisa Sue, the CEO of AMD. We got a little personal this week, a little departure, something different. There won't be a live show this week uh, on Facebook and Periscope. I'm taking a week off, a little vacation, but we'll be back uh, a week from now with the live show. Bradley Whitford, he's also going to be on this podcast, so tune in and share it, please. Let your friends know, family members, if you like this kind of conversation, uh, just really deliberation on, on topics that are important, trying to be civil and delve deeper, uh, ideas that hopefully make you think. Please share it around. Let people know it's out there. You can uh, find it on iTunes, Fort Knox, F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X.com. You can find it on SoundCloud and uh, lots of other places where podcasts are distributed. So please do share it. And thanks again for listening. I'm John Fort.